In a world where coaches are still the main characters, the players are now legally chasing the ultimate bag, and the game of basketball is always the top priority, there is only one brand you can trust to help you wade through all the madness. Hey, I'm Tate Frazier from One Shining Podcast, and you can join me twice a week as we navigate the always entertaining world of college basketball. Every Monday, the Ringer's Kyle Man helps me make sense of the biggest stories from the weekend. And on Fridays, we talk to our many friends of the program. We're locked in on the best postseason in sports. Make sure you follow One Shining Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Friday morning from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin! But oh, we're back! We have made it back from the All-Star break, and the All-Star break, at least the events that were surrounding All-Star, I don't think either of us regretted not going to Indianapolis for All-Star Weekend no because Zero the dud of duds. Look, we're not going to comment too much on what took place on All-Star Weekend. I know a lot of people have covered that, and it, it certainly generated a lot of conversation. I think the only thing that is good that came out of All-Star Weekend was all of that conversation generated on how things can improve how it can be a better showcase of the league's best players. And and there was a lot of conversation about like how the NBA does things, the events, how to get players to care. But I couldn't help but laugh at all of the articles about how Adam Silver and Joe Dumars made it very clear to all of the players that they wanted the game to be competitive. And then they just made an absolute mockery <laughs> of the game. And so... All-Star Weekend, not exactly a great showcase for the league, but hopefully these last 25, 26 games are. And then the playoffs, which I am very hopeful that we are going to be set up to have an amazing playoffs. Uh, It was nice to have a a week off, though. 
Yeah, it was nice to have a week off. It was a weird week for sure. Yeah, uh, obviously, All Star Weekend was an absolute dud. It was horrible. Probably, I mean, a lot of them are bad. This is probably the worst one that I could ever remember. Yes. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, the next two years, next two three years are better. We'll see if it, they make improvements to it. It seems like Adam Silver was genuinely disappointed after when he's like, "Congratulations." Most points scored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can just hear it in his voice. So I, I think I think they're gonna do what they can to improve it. I mean, we'll see if any any of it actually works. Um, but we'll see. I, I won't won't surprise me one bit if they do some tournament stuff with the all-star game itself, kind of like they've been doing with Rising Stars on Friday night, where they have the four teams, like the G League was integrated in and and all that. So maybe next year the 24 spots. Uh, get split into you know some amount of players on each team and they have those teams face off so i don't know that'd be interesting to me if you have like smaller teams playing quicker games as we head towards the home stretch of the season we are each going to give three teams that we are interested in or most interested in the rest of the way before we get to that do we want to pour one out for poku's career Let's pour out a couple of them for Poku. Uh, mm. Alexei mm. Pokushevsky was waived by the Oklahoma City Thunder mm. on Friday morning. Woke up to the news. There's a dagger in my heart, especially a couple of weeks after Killian Hayes was let go by the Pistons. And this is a tough it's been run. A couple of tough weeks for me. Yeah, yeah. it's been tough. It's been a real tough run. They're going to be dominant next year in China together. I'm going to tell you something, Kev, and I know you. You're getting beat up over Killian and Poku, and this is a tough run, okay? But I heard a quote the other day that I think applies and I think can really help you in this moment. It said, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think that you've been buried. But really, you've actually been planted. Does that help you? <laughs> so you're saying... Does that help see, you? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, th- I do think... I. <laughs> I think I was planted a couple of years ago with Killian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to blossom. <laughs> I've learned, learned a lot of lessons from that. The po- the Poku stuff has always been more of like a meme. Like like po- like Killian was a mistake. Poku, I did, I had him ranked like twelfth. It's not like I had him ranked number three. <laughs> I wish you would have gone. Poku we'll see one. with Poku. He po- Poku Poku was the prototype for Chet. Chet would not exist. What? Ch- Chet would not exist without Poku. I mean, I think that um, Poku had. Look, I don't want to bury the guy. Come on, he just got he just got waved off a very good team. It's a it's a tough day, oh, but yeah, he he, he is he is exactly like Chet. If Chet was terrible, like they have the same kind of frame. <laughs> And all that kind of stuff. but And the other thing is this. Uh, let me just say, big credit. One of the things that stood out to me is the Sam Presti thing. Big credit. The guy has missed on some picks. There's no way around it. Okay? But he had so many of them that you get the percentage of them that do hit. And even some ones that you didn't hit on. Like, we haven't seen that much out of Usman Jang. Obviously, they're just waving Poku. You know, they just traded uh, Trey Mann who couldn't even get on the court for them. And he's like doing good for the Hornets. And and it, it shows they got like real talent. But then you've got like these IJ, Isaiah Joes and these Kendrick Williams and these Lou Dortz who was undrafted. And like, you got to be really good to be in that Oklahoma City rotation. 
They ain't got any bump. You know, we go back to the whole uh, just don't play bad players. Like, they ain't got many. And in between picks that they have hit and then other things, even even the ones they haven't, they've made up for it with other guys. And I, I think that, I think Poku being waived just speaks to how good they have become with young talent on their team. And I don't know if Poku's going to end up in the NBA, but I do know that Trey Mann is an NBA player and he couldn't play for them. And like we're seeing, I think he had another yeah, for sure. What do you have, 20 something last night, I think, for the Hornets? I mean, like, the, guy can, he, the guy's a good basketball player. Definitely. And I think with Poku, he, he's an interesting, even more so than Killian. Like, like, Poku last year showed more flashes than Killian has. Poku last year became a pretty good shot blocker. He shot almost 40% from three as a seven footer with a little bit of a passing flair. He's, it's going to be interesting to see if another team picks him up and gives him a chance as a, still a young player and sees if he, see if he can turn into a rotation guy. Killian oh, I need is a little bit here. less Let's hope. be honest. I need him here in Memphis. Come on. We're not doing anything anyway. Come on. It'd be an interesting fit for you guys. A good investment. Killian less so. Like I feel like he's just completely cratered mentally. His shot has gotten worse. Free throw has gotten worse. Like, he's an 80% plus guy overseas. Three-pointer's gotten worse. He has no confidence in himself. He doesn't work hard. There's less hope with Killian. With Poku, I think there's a little bit of hope. Well, and we're like one of the fattest cities. We could beef that kid up quick. Oh, I quick. Know. You totally could, yeah. Yeah, we just take him over, get some barbecue, get some chicken. We like, He's eating all kinds of foods. And and next thing you know, we, we turn Poku into a, a monster. <laughs> All right, he won't be he won't be the Chet he won't be the Chet prototype. He'll be better than Chet. Oh yeah, he'll be super Chet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, look, so first game out from the long break, so there's always a bunch of caveats, uh, but there were some very interesting outcomes that took place last night, and this is as I said, the stretch run. The most of these teams got. 25, 26 games left. So if you want to make up real ground, you got to win at a pretty high rate. And if you want to hold on to your position, uh, you either got to continue to win at a pretty good rate or certainly not have a losing record, but maybe not even be like 500 because the way that teams can make up ground is they go, they have the nine and one stretch, they have the eight and two stretch. And if you're playing around 500 basketball, now they're making up a lot of ground on you. And so this is going to be a hell of a race. We've pretty much decided that we think that unless there's some kind of grand unforeseen circumstance, that we pretty much got our 10 that are going to be jockeying for position in both conferences. So that means we're out on Brooklyn, Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, Detroit in the East. And the only East team that would be involved this year that was not last year, you're just swapping out the Pacers for the Raptors from last year uh, in the 10. And then in the West, Utah, Houston, Memphis, Portland, and San Antonio. And the only one that you're swapping out from last year, if it remains the same, again, there's possible unforeseen circumstances, really Utah Maybe Houston would be the only one with a chance, but they uh, they would have to play at a much greater rate than they have recently. Um, you're only swapping out the Grizzlies for the Mavs. 
you know, and the Mavs might have been in the 10 last year if they wanted to play it out. They wanted to get that pick, which turned into Derek Lively, which seems like a very smart decision at this moment. So we're really only from last year's 10 teams that we had to this year's 10 teams that we had in both conferences. We've only going to have two new entries, right? Oh, no, Orlando. I'm sorry. Orlando is in the mix. So they're in the mix uh, this year. And I guess, what would it be, Brooklyn? I think maybe it was in the eight, uh, in the 10 last year and slides back. So we do have, all right, three new entries. And the Mavs, I don't even think that really counts, right? It's not like they weren't one of the 10 best teams, but we know what happened with them last year. Uh, we're each going to highlight three. It's a dangerous thing I'm about to do, but I'm, I'm going to let you have the first pick. All right. We have not conferred on this. So if there's no, overlap, then there's overlap. It's okay. It's fine. Then, then it'll turn out we're doing our collective three best teams t- together combined. <laughs> if we have the, all the three, the three Sams. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I've got enough. Uh, unless you pick okay. my exact right, okay, three, okay. I've got right, enough we'll to see. where I can switch we'll mine. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll start off. The most interesting team for the remainder of the season to me is the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks are riding a seven-game winning streak right now after beating the Suns on Thursday night, first game out of the All-Star break. In those seven games, Luka and Kyrie together are dominant. The Mavericks have a plus 25.6 net rating with Luka and Kyrie on the floor together. That's a 127 offensive rating, a 101 defensive rating. Their acquisitions, Daniel Gafford at the trade deadline, a center from the Wizards, fitting perfectly into their rotation as a lob guy, rebounds, shot blocking. And then P.J. Washington from the Charlotte Hornets. He's defended KD, Kyle Kuzma. He had some plays against Wemby, and he's done a good job at it, like against a variety of offensive players. I thought he was great last night in stretches against Kevin Durant, against the Suns. And now you look at this Mavericks roster. You think about past years with Dallas, the lack of depth they've had behind Luka, the lack of wings, the lack of versatility. Now they got versatile forwards like P.J. Washington and and Maxi Kleba, wings, Josh Green, Derek Jones, Tim Hardaway, Biggs, Lively, Gafford, obviously his co-star and Kyrie Irving. They just have so many different types of pieces right now that you're seeing Jason Kidd use different types of lineups. They're using Gafford or Lively almost all the time on the floor, except, and they did this against the Suns, when they go with a small ball lineup with P.J. Washington and Maxi Kleba in the front court, except it's really not that small one. You also have Luka on the floor, Josh Green on the floor, all around Kyrie Irving. With that lineup, they've only played 14 minutes together, that small ball lineup, but they've been dominant in those minutes. It feels like the Mavericks are starting to take shape as a as a total team. It's not just Luka. It's Kyrie with their two-man actions they're playing together. It's P.J. Washington with switchable defenses. It's Daniel Gaffer Lively with having a big rolling five. They can take on different shapes, and they seem dominant regardless of what they're doing. It is the ability now to be able to play any different way. We can punish you. Being small, we can punish you if you want to be big. Like, they have become super malleable, and I agree with you. I saw our buddy Joe House 
and the video he was doing for FanDuel where he was saying, I am all in on these Dallas futures, you know, and and maybe, just maybe, you know, if if you're looking for a new guy, then Luka Doncic is going to get very high up in that MVP conversation sooner than later. He was absolutely awesome. Almost had a 40-point triple-double. He was one rebound short last night in that Phoenix game. But I agree with you. We loved what they did at the trade deadline. And you look at it now, and one of the things that Joe said that I did agree with was, top to bottom, this is the best team Luka's had. And Easily. Big, big credit to the Mavs because we thought it was pretty lame coming into this season. It was like, yeah, we like the Grant Williams acquisition, which obviously was a, a, a dud. But there's two things that have happened here. A, the collection of talent and how it fits around Luka. And B, the no Kyrie Irving distractions. And people could say, oh, yeah, of course there hasn't been. Like, like that is shocking. Not only have they played great together, but for the last five or six, if you go all the way back post-Cleveland, there's been something with Kyrie. Something every year. And there's been nothing. And so knock on wood for Dallas, it's all been, uh, it's all been kumbaya. And beyond kumbaya, they are 17 and six in what are considered clutch games, which are games in, within five points in the last five minutes. How many times do we talk about this? Teams that get down to the end of games and they know what they want to do and they can get the shot that they want to get or they've got the guy that can get them home and so many of these playoff games is exactly what they come down to. And the numbers for Luka and Kyrie in those like close games are unbelievable. As a tandem, 50% from the field, 48% from three, 88% from the line. And to promote yours uh, even more, your idea that, hey, we need to really pay attention to Dallas. Not just this is a cute little win streak they're on, but really pay attention. There's only four teams in the league. I saw this in John Schumann's article from earlier in the week. There's only four teams in the league that don't have a lineup that's played 100 minutes. Memphis, terrible season. Charlotte, terrible season. Miami, mediocre season, 500 season so far. And Dallas. They don't have, their top three lineups have Grant Williams in it. They don't have one lineup that's played 100 minutes together, Kev. That is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. We got 26 games left in the year. And so if we like their talent and we think if they're like fully healthy, that they're a problem, well, just imagine if we get to see it for a little while and they've got this stretch run to kind of figure out, you know, how it all works together. But it seems like the the Washington and Gaffer thing, that's been seamless already, right? Yeah, P.J. Washington, he hasn't even had like great offensive numbers yet. It, it's it's more so just it's more so his defense right now like against that against the suns on thursday he was very very good against kevin durant and this comes after games pre-all-star break when he was good against victor Wembanyama and a handful of possessions he had against him he was good against kyle kuzma granted the wizards suck it's just to show like the range of different types of players the mavericks are sticking him on 
and they also against Phoenix for an extended a number of minutes in the second half played their small ball lineup with PJ Washington and Maxi Kleba. And I think you're just seeing the different types of ways they can use PJ Washington. That that was the idea of Grant Williams. The idea of Grant Williams was, well, he can be a floor spacer for us, provide a little bit of offense and some defensive versatility. He just didn't work out one bit. Well, there's one thing that plays last night, to your point, Kev. There's a play last night where they ran a dribble handoff and P.J. Washington's guarding Durant. And he handed it off and they switched. And now he's got Booker. Like, Grant Williams is never staying in front. And and, and P.J. Washington stayed in front of both of them. He stayed in front of both of them on the switch. Like, Grant Williams never do that. And Grant Williams was heavy when he did. Now, he's doing doing well post-trade, for sure. And it just wasn't a very good fit. But I think there was, uh, from what I read, a level of discontent on how the kind of shape he came in to the season being anyway. And the point is, Washington is a infinitely better defender for that. Those wing-type players. You got a guy that is a big, that can stay in front of wings, that's gold. So we can just have our big P.J. Washington party. Yeah, absolutely. You know I've loved P.J. Washington for a long time. I've seen him as like a sleeper. Get him on a contender. We'll see what he can finally be. All he really needs to do right now is start shooting the ball. He's at 22% from three with the Mavericks right now. He has not had like one of his big scoring performances like we've seen him do with Charlotte over the years. Um, if, if he just starts hitting spot up threes at a reliable rate, which I believe he can, He's, you know, been near a 40% guy on open catch-and-shoot threes in his career with the Hornets. He's going to get a lot of open catch-and-shoot threes with the Mavericks. We'll see if those shots start following, falling for him, but I have belief, and I think um, he's going to prove to be one of the, the steals uh, league-wide. And last year in the free agency, I'm still surprised he didn't get more interest. Um, but that could be Dallas's gain here with this roster they're starting to assemble. And I think with Dallas, we'll see how this continues. You know, it is still a a small little stretch here, but I think the full season, it's not like it's not like Luca and Kyrie when they've actually played together haven't been great together. They, like they have had some great wins over this win streak. They beat the Knicks, they beat the Thunder, they beat the Suns, and coming up they have the Pacers, the Cavs, the Raptors, the Celtics on a road trip, and then a homestand against the Sixers, the Pacers in the heat. So until, you know, really the first full week of March, they have a a good group of tough games coming up, both on the road and at home. So I think for Dallas, if they continue to thrive throughout this stretch, you know, we could be doing a show in a a week or two saying things such as where do they belong in the NBA championship power rankings? Like, does this team actually belong in the top echelon? It might be time to recalibrate. Already, it might be time to recalibrate when you have a player of Luca's quality. You said earlier how Joe House, Joe House was talking about Luca as an MVP guy. He's plus 500 right now on FanDuel. That is third highest behind SGA and Jokic. I will, won't be surprised one bit if that ends up becoming like plus 200, plus 100 at some point soon, closer to where SGA is. Luca is playing oh, better than look, he ever has. Kev, Kev, let them go 20 and 6 in the last 26 and see where he is. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. And they changed, look, they changed their championship chances with the trade deadline. They did. This is a different deal with Washington and Gafford. 
They wouldn't. They, they, they it, it wasn't good enough to be able to compete for a title or a Western Conference Finals prior to those moves. But once they moved out Grant Williams and they added these guys, now it's good enough to compete for a title. It's good enough surrounding Luca, and, and we Kyrie. know he can be the best player in any series. And you mentioned end of season. They have the twenty second hardest schedule. Yep. The remainder of the season. So their schedule is on the easier side of things in the league right now. Uh, so for Dallas, that bodes well for them too. I mean, I, you look at the standings right now, it's it's still hard to see them climbing all the way to the top four because they're four games behind Denver and the Clippers. It's not impossible, but the odds are that you climb as high as fifth, uh, which is New Orleans. They're a game behind New Orleans right now. But there's a chance they could get like a game or two behind the Clippers or the Nuggets and be right there at the end for a top four seed. Regardless, like I think top five seed is enough to be, you know, a serious MVP candidate, a serious threat to win the finals. But damn, dude, like we talked about this last week when we did kind of our reset of the standings. These like the first round series are gonna be wars, man. Oh, they're gonna be unbelievable. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. On Friday night in the NBA, we got a loaded slate of games. I'm really liking the Bucks timberwolves game. Two top seeds in their respective conferences. Let's go with the Wolves to cover the spread. Minus four over the Bucks with a home game coming out of the break. On FanDuel, you can look at point spreads, money lines, live same-game parlays, exclusive props. Find it on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash mismatch and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus a present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued and non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. That leads me to my first one. I am so interested in what happens with Phoenix. So you said you were just talking about the schedule. They have had the easiest schedule so far to be at this point that they are at the season. And they were, they're good. I mean, they're plus 12.7 with their three guys on the court, but it's 440 minutes the whole damn year. And you got a nursing hamstring situation with Beal again. You know, their record when they've got all three guys is 14 and eight. But they got 27 games left, Kev. 19 of them are against teams with a winning record. And so where the hell are they going to be? You know, that they got flipped in the standings and lost the tiebreaker by virtue of losing to Dallas last night. And the reason that this is so fascinating is it's another, quote, super team that has been thrown together. It is going to cost an absolute fortune to have this team. And we said this is going to be, how many times does every new owner have to learn this? We've seen it over and over and over again. And they're going to spend and they're going to win right now. And they're going to be smarter than everybody. And then they're like, oh, my God, this is punitive. And I'm not winning. And how fast does the plug get pulled on the situation? You know, if they if they end up in the play-in, 
and they're not playing in the playoffs, then what? Right? You could just run it back and say, hey, hopefully next year we have them all healthy. Like, I think that that, like, I honestly believe that these last 27 games of the Phoenix Sun season could greatly alter what the NBA looks like even, like, next year. Seriously. I mean, you've dug it now, and you're not going to be one of the four best. Like, what's the best possible seed they could have? Really? Now, I know their ceiling is crazy. Their ceiling crazy. If they've got all three guys healthy and it's the best version of them, I get it. But, A, what are the chances they got everybody healthy? And what's the best? Like, they're having to win a series on the road, no matter what. It's fifth. That's the best they probably... They, the fifth, fifth is probably the highest they climb in the standings. Same reason with Dallas that we talked about. Like, I mean, just, is that worth it's, a, like, hard a, to see a them. bazillion dollars? <laughs> you know? I think you're... If, if it's me writing the checks, I'm like, damn, bro. This ain't worth a bazillion. I think you're spot on with them. They have the hardest remaining schedule in the league right now. Uh, their, their remaining opponents have a 56.3 win percentage. That is best in the league for the remainder of the season. So, like, with them, like, if they, if they stay in the plan or even fall to eight or nine and have to win on the road in a plan, <laughs> like, never mind win on the road in the first round of the playoffs. You have to win on the road in the plan when you have all those guys. What if you're playing L.A. or Golden State? Or like, let's say, let's say something went wrong and we're wrong about the Dallas. Like, I think Dallas is seven right now, right? No, no, Dallas, Dallas right now is six. They they're tied with Phoenix. Phoenix is seven. Thirty three and twenty three. Okay, so Phoenix Phoenix is seven seven. right now. Dallas is six. Yeah, look at the playing teams right now. Or let's just say the the king. It's it's almost not as much about if something goes wrong with Dallas. It's like if if Golden State gets really hot or Sacramento gets really hot and they move up. Right. And then it just so happens that Phoenix and Dallas are the are the are the seven and eight. Brutal. Brutal. Like you could mm-hmm. for real not be in the playoffs. And you look at that if, if you know, as you say, the ske- the schedule they have had the easiest schedule and they're in seventh. And I can hear it, you know, with the yeah, but they hadn't had their guys healthy. Like, bro, you're probably never having all three of these guys healthy for a long time. Like, what? It, it, what, what has been the indicator that all three of these guys could stay healthy? If they all stayed simultaneously healthy, then, I mean, forget having an NBA team. The guys should go buy lottery tickets because the odds of that are just crazy. That's It's not what we know to be true of these three guys. And so, I don't know, man. Like th- th- A lot of times, you can make excuses and you can say, hey, you know what? Didn't go like we want, but we're just going to run it back. Like, I honestly don't know if you just run it back if you finish the season seventh or eighth. So you, when you were talking earlier, you were saying how, you know, depending on how this season ends, you wouldn't be surprised if you see the team dramatically change over the summer. Are you implying a Kevin Durant another Indecision, is that what you're implying? Or are you thinking more on the Beal side? Do you uh, think Kevin like Durant that? would be fine with being in seventh or eighth place at this age and stage in his career or getting whopped in the first round? You think he's fine with that? There's two interesting things that he said this week. One, on ESPN, he he said something like, you know, uh, 
yeah, I want to finish my career with the Suns. I can't predict what will happen, but I love playing in Phoenix. I want to be in the Ring of Honor someday. He said that. And then he had his conversation with his agent, Rich Kleiman. And in that conversation, they talked about his decision to choose the Nets over the Knicks. And just listening, like reading between the lines of the way, the way where they were talking, Rich is a huge Knicks guy. Uh, Katie described how the Knicks weren't cool at the time. They wanted to go to the Nets and try to win there instead. But now the Knicks are cool. Mm. Just, you know, just made me think if they were trying to like, you know, smooth things over with the Knicks fans and all that, putting that thought out into the universe that, hey, you weren't ready for me before, but I'm, you know, now we're ready for each other. <laughs> this summer so i don't know it's just it, the, those two things were very interesting this week with whatever that you know interview was with rich not an interview conversation not an interview you can't your agent can't interview you you know it's not a podcast interview it's just a conversation that happens we recorded but um yeah I, th- I think that was interesting to me that he's that that conversation happened and and was released okay. so i don't All know right. uh, maybe, maybe but I, maybe but, but ultimately is- chris this they're keeping it. We got to keep an eye on them. I mean, they, like we said, nineteen yeah, of twenty-seven. Sure. There's games a long that, way to go, though. There is, there is. But, but they just as easily teams, could get though. scorching hot. They just as easily could get scorching hot and prove to be a threat. That they go through this run with their guys healthy and they win a lot of games and they move up in the standings. We'll see what ends up happening. But last night against Dallas was not a good sign, especially the run in the second half that Dallas opened with. Uh, the, the the centers do seem to be an issue for the Suns. So, yeah, we'll see how they pan out over the course of the year. Two terrible things. You ready for this? The only team that has lost more games while leading at halftime, and this is going to stun you, is the Washington Wizards. It's the only team that's lost more games while leading at halftime. And you know that's because teams dick around with the Wizards. They don't even care. And then they say, all right, we're going to put the screws to them in the second half. They are the that's worst. That's wild. They're the worst fourth quarter team by a wide margin. The Suns are, which is also wild. It's like those things. We were just talking about why we believe in Dallas and how that's going to translate because you're like, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, they're beating you. Well, the complete opposite is true of Phoenix. So far this year. Yeah. All right, let's get to your next team. Let's stay in the Western Conference. Just continue there. The Warriors. They've won nine out of 11 games right now. Ever since Draymond returned 14 games ago, they're plus 15.7 in his minutes, 124.9 offensive rating, 109.3 defensive rating. The Warriors look like a team to me that has figured things out, and they are on a track now where they will and should rise up the standings. They look like a team that finally has a rotation that works for them. I'm very intrigued by the fact that Clay Thompson is now committed to coming off the bench. You would hope that he continues embracing that. Uh, Steve Kerr spoke about when Chris Paul returns, he looks forward to seeing CP3 and Clay off the bench together. I'm intrigued. Wiggins and Kaminga have figured out how to play together. Draymond continues thriving. Steph is on top of his game. Pods looks great. As a rookie, he's been one of the more impressive rookies in the entire league. This year, Trace Jackson Davis on Thursday night, coming off the bench against the Lakers. 17 points in 15 minutes. I love TJD, and I think with him paired with Chris Paul off the bench makes for a very interesting combination. The Warriors just have a group of guys that 
makes sense together. I think I think with Chris Paul when he returns, it's going to make sense. And then Steph is playing still like one of the five best players in the league. The Warriors look to be like a team that I'm buying this recent stretch. I'm a believer in what we've seen recently. And uh, over the remainder of the year, they ha- do have one of the easier schedules, the sixth easiest schedule in the league for the remainder of the year. So they do have an opportunity to move up right now. And the standings are currently 10th right now. They are four games back from the Suns at number seven and the Mavericks at number six. Hard to move into that top six for a guaranteed spot, but won't surprise me one bit if Golden State moves all the way up to seven. And if they do, if they are like seven or eight, that's the kind. That's where they need to be if they were going to pull it upset because you get you're getting to play against the teams that don't have the playoff experience, right? Yeah. Three and four as it stands right now are Clippers and the Nuggets. Now, those teams have been through a lot of playoff series and have logged a lot of playoff minutes together and have veterans on their team. Like, if you are, this is much like Memphis being two last year, and then it's a nightmare to then draw the Lakers. If you are Oklahoma City or Minnesota, it's like, Jesus, if one of the two best records, and then we get, we're playing the friggin' Warriors? <laughs> this is awful. And so it's almost like the the lower, I think that you would be more fearful if you're one or two uh, and having to draw the Lakers or the Warriors. I think you could be in the, like, honestly, like the same situation we were in last year where it's like the Grizzlies and the Kings were both fantastic during the year. And then they looked up at the end and it's like, holy shit. They played the Warriors and the Lakers. And it's going to happen again. It could very well be Minnesota and Oklahoma City having to play the Warriors and the Lakers when it's all said and done. And I don't know how high, like, how, if, we're, if we're saying Phoenix, the high, or I mean, Dallas, you know, could move up and the highest you could see Phoenix is five. Like, what is the, you think six is the limit for Warriors? Like, even if they went on a tear? Yeah. I mean, New Orleans would have to fall, or Dallas would have to fall. It's not impossible. Oh, the Warriors would jockey that around too. I promise you this: if they have a chance, if they they would not, they would purposely drop the seven to play Oklahoma City. That might not be the smart thing, but they would purposely do no, that rather than play the Clippers. Yeah, but if then you. The I'm I'm not going to get into how jockeying and for position is worse than just letting the top seeds choose their opponent, but. This, like I just I hate that stuff at the end of the year. And it happens. So stupid. We know what happens. It right? happens. And yep. It does happen. And it probably it would happen. But I, I don't think I don't think the Warriors I don't think the Warriors would like lose a guaranteed playoff seed and then say, Okay, now we have to also beat the, the Lakers or beat whoever that oh, eight no, seed no, no, is. No, no, no. I'm Kings. talking about no no no. I, yeah, I'm talking oh, oh No, yeah. but you just said but you just oh, said drop from six to seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to drop out of a top six because then seven you're in the play and then you have to win a game against another tough opponent. And if yeah. you lose that game, then you're then you're fighting for the eight seed. Right. This is why incentives matter. Right. Having the six seed means you're guaranteed a playoff spot. But what difference does it make if you're four or five besides the one home game? That's it. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of jockeying for position this year, and that's a shame. Sure it sucks. It's not fun. Teams losing on purpose, like the, the the purpose should always be to win. 
those veteran teams don't respect. You, you could hear Draymond is the one that is willing to speak his mind, and he was that was the only good thing about the All Star game was I had that feed with him and Barkley on in the background, and you could tell he, he, he he's like nobody is scared of Minnesota, nobody's scared of the Pelicans, nobody's scared. Like I mean that he's talking like veterans in the league, and so I do think it's going to be super fascinating when we get to the playoffs. You know how. Like those those comments are going to come back up because yeah. you know how he feels about you know having to play the teams that are you know one and two right now. Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over ninety five live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Man, we got to start using Apple Cash. All right. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. Okay. So I can pay you in convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have the money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Hmm, that's actually kind of nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff at like a store with Apple Pay. Oh, so I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff. Nope, it's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. My next team is actually that team that is third because we all have thought a lot about the Clippers and what they have done over the course of the last month, month and a half, two months. Um, They've got 27 games left. Uh, They actually do not have a very... Uh, easy schedule, and they have the most back-to-backs. They have seven back-to-backs left, including tonight. After they got walloped by Oklahoma City, I am going to see them in person in Memphis tonight. But that is one of seven back-to-backs. Now, the reason this is important is because this is a veteran-laden team that more no team needs to keep their guys healthy more than them and has a bigger question mark. You know, even though we brought up Phoenix earlier, it's like, okay, are you really going to get to play in the playoffs with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden all healthy? They have been 33-11 and since they lost those first five games with Harden, and the Harden numbers are just crazy. Plus 18.5 per 100 possessions with him on the court. They are plus 10 with him off the court. So, I mean, it's still a good team. But it is the biggest point differential of any player that has played as many minutes. I mean, that's how profound the impact has been. And so, here's the trick. Much like we talked about with Phoenix, this team has had the best offense in the NBA. They're averaging uh, 121 points per 100 possessions since, since that Harden thing has all taken place. But, we know it's like if they have their three guys and you got a tough schedule and you got a ton of back to backs the rest of the way, 
are they going to play these guys on back-to-back? Is there a risk in these guys playing the back-to-backs? Like, uh, it's all it's all interesting to see how it's going to play out from here till the end because I think most people think that they are the best chance at knocking off Denver. Uh, though they are not ranked first in the Western Conference, You've got you've you the Clippers being the best team has picked up a lot of steam, but they got to make it twenty seven more, twenty seven more with these guys staying intact and staying healthy. And so, to me, uh, that could change their how they play out these twenty seven and staying healthy. Maybe more than anything is going to dictate what happens in the Western Conference, in my opinion, because I think if they're fully healthy, they're a bitch to deal with. But we know there's a history. There's a history with the three. So the Clippers were the one that is, uh, I think they're the best team. I do. I know they got walloped last night by OKC. Do you read into that at all? They get walloped by OKC, walloped by Minnesota. They lost to the Pelicans this month. They've lost three out of their last five. Do you you read into that at all? Or is just their recent, you know, regular season stretch and it's a non-concern? Just curious. I am unconcerned just because I, I, you know, I told you this after I saw them in person. I was like, man, like, now the one thing is they might have some teams that are uniquely equipped to deal with them. And OKC is one of them because OKC is not like their problem is with big teams that that's not what the Clippers are. Like if they, if they play the five wide out team or the team that has like the Chet character at center, then it's a problem. And you saw Oklahoma City last night. As soon as, like, they came out in that second half and they abandoned Giddy. He started Isaiah Joe, which is something to keep an eye on. You know, whether it's Joe or whether it's uh, maybe Wallace or, like, it feels like Dagnall very well may be pulling the plug on the Giddy thing. Maybe it's Gordon Hayward. It's possible, too. But once they did that, like, it's like they could small ball uh and play against the Clippers just fine. And it's like the Clippers aren't big enough to punish you for playing small. And so these matchups, it's all these, all these playoff series are going to kind of be uniquely dictated by matchups. But I, I still, I think the Clippers, if they've got Kawhi at peak of powers, I still think they're the one to beat. Outside of Denver, of course. Right? We're setting that aside. It really pains me to say this regarding the Clippers, um, but I think it's becoming very apparent that Russell Westbrook takes too many shots. And <laughs> that it pains you. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to be serious, you dick. Russell Westbrook <laughs> takes too many shots. Come on. <laughs> Come on. In the... In the in the loss against the Thunder, he was one for nine in 16 minutes. In the loss against the Wolves, he was three for 11 in 29 minutes. In the loss against the Pelicans, he was two for seven in 18 minutes. How is it that Russell Westbrook takes only a couple of shots less than James Harden? Come playoff time, I would expect this to change. Uh, is Rus- Russell Westbrook willing for that to change at that time? Is Ty Lu going to be prepared to give him no minutes? Come playoff time, because I'll tell you what, when it comes time to play a seven or eight man rotation, I would much rather have Amir Coffee out there than Russell Westbrook. 
Amir Coffin's a very good You're two-way player. You're a legit player. hater. It's been one of the... He's oh, been, I, he's been I'm not a hater. I, he's been really good coming off the bench, and the team's been awesome. Stop. Stop. Amir Coffey is one of the reasons why they've been awesome, because oh he is a God. great defender off the bench. He's a 40%-plus guy from three. He knows his role. He fits great. Russ is going to be, you know, a 10 to 15 minute guy off the bench at most. And you would hope in the postseason, James Harden is prepared to take more than nine shots. James Harden in that loss against the Thunder, he's five for nine in 29 minutes. Russell Westbrook is one for nine in 16 minutes. Russ shoots too much. You love the energy. You love the athleticism. They've just- given him the second unit. And it's been yeah. good. You just I'm, wanted. I'm, you, I'm just you, saying. Right, that if you're here, looking you got, for real, you got your opportunity to shit on Russell Westbrook. <laughs> it's taking you until February 23rd, but I'm just gonna let you have it. Enough. And <laughs> mere coffee. Shut the <laughs> up. But listen, Chris. This is this is. Here's the thing, though. If you're looking at a team that has championship expectations and has James Harden playing at the top of his game more than anybody could have anticipated this year, shooting a career high from three, whipping the ball around the floor, being a great conductor for that team, and Kawhi Leonard playing at a top five MVP level, and Paul George playing at the level that he is, and and Terrence Mann and Zubats and Norman Powell, all these guys fitting alongside them, and Amir Coffey, it's all working. It's all clicking. You gotta look for well. What are the reasons why we might lose a playoff series? Like what? What can we get better at? How can we improve? <laughs> how about, well, how about be, and how Russ about, is one of the places that you nitpick. I mean, one of the reasons could be that I just told you the most important guy on off is the guy that vomits on himself every playoffs. So that may be a better one to look at. Might yeah, let, be. Let's let's see about that. Yeah, might be. All right. James Harden career postseason numbers in Houston. Jesus 28. Christ. 28.4 oh points per game. Now do now do elimination games. I can't pull it up off yeah, I, I know. need to pause the well, recording. Hey, <laughs> go to vomit. Go to vomitstats.com. It's where they are. Vomit <laughs> stats. They, they, they are. I, yeah. I, I don't look who owns that website because it's me. <laughs> Oh, it's you. Okay. <laughs> he, he has had more good moments in elimination games. Just he's had also had a lot of terrible moments. But anyway. It's concert dates. That's how he got the name. 517, 2 for 11, 2 for 13, Jeez. 3 for 16. It's concert dates. All right. You're 13. I, I love I'll never Harden understand and how being on the, the, the same one, team the, the one, and us playing the blame the, game is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's really going to be good, but I, I just, <laughs> but I just can't understand how the, the one team that really went toe to toe with those juggernaut warriors was the Houston Rockets. The one team led how by dare James you? And, how dare you? And, and he's and he's. You. Let's be serious. Let's let's be Memphis serious. Memphis had wars with them, literal wars. What planet are you on? <laughs> I'm talking with the KD Warriors. Oh God! Like the, those juggernaut warriors. Those teams. weren't even you were fair in the early teams. days. The, 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the Rockets were the team that went to a game six and a game seven against them in back-to-back years. Oh, I remember. Yes, Steph emasculated him. And then K- after KD had gotten hurt on his home floor, had like that dud of a first half and then emasculated him completely in the second half. And then, oh yeah, that was tough. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, by the way, Harden, ha- by the way, Harden averaged 35 points a game in, in one of those series, by the way, yeah, and 29 points per game in the other, four. by the way, just saying, ran the four. offense. He's the only reason yeah, why they until, were able to get to a game six and a game seven. No. But okay. All right. Just, yeah. He vomits until over had, himself. Sure. Until, He's, until, yeah, until okay. it really mattered. Okay. Right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see this year. <laughs> Russ is going to have to bail him out. <laughs> That's going to be my Mona Lisa when you got triple-double Russ off the bench because this guy's got concert dates. Insert insert us in Game of Zones. I know. Talking so about good. Russell Westbrook. All right, who's your third team? Um, Who cares? My third team is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, right now, they are only 1.5 games up from the Orlando Magic 7 seed. They're only two games up from the Heat for the 8 seed. And they have been very stinky without Joel Embiid the entire year, especially the stretch that they've been without him. It feels more and more and more and more likely that they fall into the play-in by the time he returns, which was probably mid-March at the earliest um, is around when I would anticipate. Um, but like before then, they have games against the Cavs, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Mavs, the Pelicans, the Knicks, the Bucks, and that's before we get to March 16th. So, like, like they they have some tough games coming up, and even the games that they potentially should win—Charlotte, Brooklyn, Memphis—there's no guarantees with the current state of the team. So, like Philadelphia, they've. They're really hemorrhaging losses right now. They have been horrible. They were 29 and 13 on January 22nd. They are 32 and 13, right? Uh, 32 and 23 right now. So they are three out of their last 13. And they will probably be in the play-in at some point. And what does that mean for their decision to bring back Embiid if he does return, which he, I would expect him to return? How does he look when he returns? What does this mean for the Eastern Conference playoff race? They were a team that people thought were a contender, and rightfully so. Have they been surpassed by the Cavs and the Knicks? Is it realistic to expect the Sixers to return to form pre-injury for Embiid, or is this a lost year for them? There's a lot of questions with Philadelphia over the remainder of the year. And for a team that has had a really a two-year plan here with cap space this summer, how will the remainder of this season dictate their options and the things that they do this offseason. It's it's like a lot that could change based off the next couple of weeks here. Maybe there's your KD team. If mm, it goes foul. That's interesting, huh? Right. That's interesting. Mm. Just monitoring. We're monitoring all these teams. All right, last one for me. Yeah. The Cavs. They are the great. Nobody believes in them, but they keep telling us that we should believe in them. And I know they got beat by Orlando last night in a game that Mitchell sat out of, but they, they've got this record in the Eastern Conference all the while having Garland missed 19 games with a fractured jaw. Mobley missed 21 games with knee surgery. Mobley's come back, and not only is he shooting threes, he's making them. Uh, they're 23-6 and six since mid-December. 
and that includes, I mean, you know, if you wanted to get our attention, they should have gotten our attention. They beat the Bucks twice. They're down double digits and beat the Clippers. They destroyed Sacramento. Like, they got a bunch of impressive wins, and they've got the best road record of anybody. And yet it's like, yeah, but I can't really get out of my mind what happened to them in the playoffs against the Knicks last year. It's like, like we, we've said more times than any, are we, are, are we believing in that? The, there's no team that has to prove themselves more than them. But they did go to the playoffs. They did take some lumps. They did try to fix some of what ailed them in terms of strengthening their wings. And Mitchell's playing at as, uh, as good as anyone. The chemistry with Jared Allen is unbelievable. And it's like, of all the teams, it's very, it is in some ways very reminiscent of those Utah teams that Mitchell was on. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, they got these great records, but wait till we get to the playoffs. Like, he has been one of the greatest playoff performers in NBA history and doesn't have the long playoff runs to show for it. But in terms of, like, playoff points per game, he's, like, there at the very top of the list. Can you really call him one of the greatest playoff performers ever when he hasn't had the long playoff runs? I mean, does that take away from what would he? What would he have done in it? What? Yeah, he's had I mean, some amazing performances. I know, and he's he drunk like down by point having bangers. Rudy Gobert with him, and obviously now oh, he can't please. play Gobert. <laughs> the unplayable playoff, uh, you know, second banana, and, and that, I yeah, am please. They have had a they have had the third easiest schedule so far, so that's going to get tougher for them down the stretch. But where they end up, and how many people end up truly believing in them and then now integrating these guys back. I mean, they keep telling us that we should pay notice to them. And I still feel like nobody believes in them being like Eastern finals slash finals team. And yet they keep showing at least during the regular season that we should. So that's going to go one way or the other. Either we're going to get to the playoffs and everybody's rewarded for being skeptical or we're going to get to the playoffs and everybody's going to say, shit, we should have seen it. But one of those is going to be true. And yes, his individual I mean, the, performance. The, the is window is open, Chris. It is. The window is open. Philly's kind of falling open. back, right? And so, uh, uh, like let me just, let me just ask you this. The, the window is open, but are we underrating the Celtics as the favorite in the East? They are seven games up on the Cavs. Seven games up on the Cavs, who are the two seed. That's right. The Celtics are 44 and 12 right now, four and a half games better than Minnesota, the second best record in the league. They have been dominant all year long. They are a team that has taken a heck of a lot of lumps this year. We say the window's open. I do believe that. The Boston's the only team with a net rating over eight this year. They have a 10.4 net rating. Mm -hmm. They have top-end depth with stars. They have guys who can elevate their game any night. Kristaps Porzingis, Drew Holiday. They but have again, who depth doesn't off believe the bench in Boston? at this point. They have, Who's out I'm there just saying, saying we say the window is open. I don't know if I should open. believe in Boston. What, what, what else? Chris, let's, Chris, listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we're saying the window is open. Is it actually not open and it's just Boston is this 
favored in the East, and that's that. Now, as is long that as actually Joe, the case? I'm the just asking you the question. Yeah, the window's open as long as Joe Missoula is their coach. Okay. All right. I agree. I agree. I agree. I think the window is still open. I, I just am asking the question. I oh. agree with you. I think they still have some concerns, but they sure as hell look great. I think everybody sees it as going, that could be the great advantage for a Spolstra, for a Tibbs, for a whoever they draw. You know what I mean? And, and, and also with Boston, it's still about KP to me. I've said that ever since they got him. Sure. Porzingis is the X factor. If Porzingis is healthy, I believe that they are the favorite in the East. I believe that as it currently looks, they will win the East if Porzingis is healthy. And he has been healthy for the majority of the year. They've maintained, they've done some, you know, load management with him over the course of the year. They've, the maintenance exactly. They've played it very, very safe with Porzingis over the course of the year. He's had some minor injuries that have, you know, caused them to have to give more maintenance. But, you know, if that happens during the postseason, I'd have concern. But if he remains healthy, I do think Boston will be, will be the team that represents the East in the finals. But it does come down to KP more than anything else to me. Fair enough. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. I can't wait for this. And now we're to the best part, right? You got you got these 10 teams. They're all going to be jockeying. The matchups are going to be um, super important to who advances when it comes to playoff time because I don't think the margins are huge between even the best and, like, you know, like you were just saying about Philly. Like, dude, we could look up and Philly is playing Boston in the first friggin' round. Like, dude, that's a real dude, thing that could happen. Dude, you're you're not you're not wrong about that. Yeah. You're really not. Like, what if what what if they fall to the plan, the eight? And, and I mean, maybe they become the seven seed instead, but they could lose their first play-in game and then and then win their second play-in game and become the eight seed. Yes. Uh, dude, we could look at one eight. And it'd be Minnesota versus the Lakers and Boston versus Philly. That could be the first round in this deal. And so this is going to be Crazy. fun watching everybody Crazy. and kind of where it all lands when it's all said and done. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit K gamblinghelp.com in louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP in maryland visit mdgamblinghelp.org in west virginia visit 1800gambler.net in wyoming call 1-800-522-4700 hope is here in massachusetts visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in massachusetts in new york call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny